Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's really busy, though, in gender land. Oh, God. I, I wasn't going to come back to this degree. And then it was like, like I told you, I think, last week. When I, I just it's like all hell broke loose with the federal government. And, you know, it was just like, oh, my God. So, yep, back with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. It's a really big deal. Biden oh, it's a really big swimming. deal. He said, he basically said he was going to do this anyways. So, and we know well, first day in office, that's, he set things up for this. Right. So are we now, should we just start talking? So, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> We, fourth wave down, when I say we, I mean myself and anywhere between two and four other people. We've been talking about this for several years. We started talking about gender spectrum in 2016. Um, And then I believe in 2019, I was tweeting about uh, the fact that the Biden Foundation... So Joe Biden has a foundation called the Biden Foundation, uh, which was partnering with Gender Spectrum. And Gender Spectrum is one of the organizations that uh, has a, a, a very well-developed program for, uh, it, it's not just doing things in schools, that's part of it. Uh, they do conferences, they um they do professional trainings. Uh, they do all kinds of things, but they do have a whole school-related aspect of what they do, and they advertise that they, you know, they they're available to bring people into the schools or to train teachers and so forth. So uh, I don't know how long the partnership was going on, and I'm not aware at this very moment what the Biden Foundation is doing officially with Gender Spectrum or not. But uh, they definitely have a relationship. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's not, you know, and one of the things that I just saw recently when I was doing some research for some of the, the, the kind of tweet storms that uh, Fourth Wave Now has been putting out is um, the federal government links to gender spectrum on the HHS website. They actually link to gender spectrum on the, the, uh, the, the thing that HHS just put out which is recommending uh, gender-affirming treatment uh, for children. That is now on a federal website. And it's, it's gotten a lot of attention, that guidance, what would be referred to as guidance. Um, I mean, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't surprised to see it on the federal website, but at the same time I was, hmm. because... Um, just what happened last week. So it was Trans Day of Visibility is when they put a bunch of stuff up on federal websites, several federal websites. And um, I, I, I'm surprised by the extent to which they seem to be going full bore into it. And by it, 
I mean what we call gender affirming treatment for uh, minors, gender dysphoric minors. Now they don't say gender dysphoric minors; they say transgender children, yeah, trans kids. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, Did not, I, I Biden said that uh, the most, uh, uh, the best thing, or the, the, the most gracious thing that a parent can do is to affirm their trans kid or transgender mm-hmm. child in this little statement. That's right. Right. So he came out and read his statement. Uh, Jen Psaki has made statements since then. Uh, I mean, so, you know, the other thing that a lot of people are probably aware of, maybe some are not, is that the assistant uh, secretary of health, the second in command at Health and Human Services, is a person named Rachel Levine. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a uh, MTF uh, who, uh, you know, took yeah, office. Female. Yeah. Took office, yes. And um, also the first in command, a man named Xavier Becerra, who is the is the secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, has also made some statements in the last few days. I don't know how far we want to, you know, I mean, all of this stuff is connected. Yeah. Um, but-, but let me just say this before we go whatever direction you're going to kind of help us go. Um, I think what is getting a lot of attention and it's across the political spectrum and it's, and it's kind of exploding is not only the fact that there's whatever you want to call it, I would call it gender indoctrination taking place even at the, at the uh, earliest grades, but it is the deliberate deception of parents. Um, which, I mean, they don't advertise that. I mean, to be fair, organizations like Gender Spectrum, there's also something called Welcoming Schools, which is a, a part of the Human Rights Campaign, HRC. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a couple other ones. It's not like, you know, on their on their homepage, they blare, oh, well, we're going to deceive parents, right? I mean, to be fair, they want the parents to come along. And if the parents are affirming, all good, Okay. But all of those organizations and every single one of them, you can find it on their websites, and these are the ones being linked to by the federal government, have a section where they talk about if the parents are not on board, here's how, here's how you deceive the parents. Okay. Or keep the information away from the parents as a school. Yeah, right. I mean, I, that's maybe a, a harsh way to put it, deceive the parents. Uh, they probably wouldn't put it that way. But that's the effect. If you're if you're a non-affirming parent, you're going to be deceived if the school is going along with affirmation that you don't happen to agree with. So one thing that I think we need to staple down so that people can kind of understand, and I know most people watching this, at least in the first go, already understand what gender affirmation is. But because you've been studying this and researching this for close to a decade now, the better part of a decade, let's say. Seven years. Seven years. So you probably understand basically inside and out what they mean by gender affirmation. That is a linguistic rhetorical term, just Mm -hmm. like trans kid, that is built... Mm -hmm to advance a certain uh, view of the world, a certain view of biology, a certain view of society. And yet it sounds really good, but there's a lot of, uh, there's 
trade-offs in there. So what is gender-affirming care so far as these major organizations and what you see the federal government positioning itself to uh, push onto children? So so uh, it, it starts at the earliest age, okay? You know, I'm not going to go down the historical rabbit hole, at least we maybe will later. Uh, this is relatively new. Um, it, it means that if a child... Uh, basically says, hey, mom, I want to be a boy, or I am, let's say it's a girl, mom, I'm a boy, or I want to be a boy, uh, you know, wears, quote, unquote, boys clothes, whatever, you know. Uh, the idea is that you go along, you follow the child's lead. That's a common statement. You follow the child's lead wherever it's going to take you. Um, in the earliest age group, that involves what's called social transition. Okay, so social transition means, and look, I, you know, I'll just say, I, you know, if a kid wants, the kids should be able to play with or wear whatever they want. You know, I mean, there's no reason why a girl should be forced to play with dolls or a boy shouldn't, you know, fool with a dress if he wants to. It doesn't matter. You know, there are people who disagree with that. But I think, you know, that's gender nonconformity, which I have always supported. I you know, if there's so many rabbit holes to go down well, here, I'll even, try not to. Even beyond gender nonconformity, which would be Tom, Tom girls and tomboys. Um, I don't know if Tom girls the correct term, but there's also children four, five, three. Yep. Pretend yep. to be. I'm a dinosaur. I'm a soldier. I'm Pocahontas. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is mm -hmm. just part of the uh, development of the human personality and the ego. Yes. And playing with categories. So, in that realm of play and imagination let's say at five when they get into kindergarten that's all that's beginning to be um groomed towards thinking about gender as some sort of immutable characteristic that you use that word that we'll have to have a little discussion about that word we'll come back um, to that. <laughs> that was a, a tongue-in-cheek but i know but, no it's okay because i've been thinking about it and it's controversial right it, now it is but um, the, the the teacher well the the pedagogy is not treating gender as a playful spectrum it's actually setting children up to think about whether or not they are actually in the wrong, wrong or right body. Well, let me stop you there. I okay. agree with you. I What you just said, totally agree. Now, the affirming therapists and doctors and activists, whoever, would disagree. They would say, you can't make a child be trans. They'll say, oh, well, you can't make a cis child be cis. How can you make a trans child be trans? None of this stuff is going to make them be trans. If they're trans, they're trans, right? Okay. So I don't agree with that. I agree with you, what you just said. Children are very impressionable. Uh, you know, let's say a child has been discouraged, and there's quite a few of them, and some of them are now little child activists who were discouraged from being playing around right like so a boy wanted to wear a dress mom was like no you can't wear a dress only girls wear dresses you know the boy says i want long hair no boys have short hair right they were discouraged and you know a child like that might eventually go well okay i guess i am the opposite sex if i like all these things you know that means i am the opposite sex so anyway just to continue a little bit with the social transition where it's problematic so it's this isn't problematic letting jimmy go to school in a dress or little judy you know be a tomboy and have short hair it's when you say okay 
you are the opposite sex. We're going to change your pronouns. We're going to have everybody else change their pronouns. We'll even have a little party in class. And they do this. A little coming out party for the first grader, you know, because they're coming out as trans. You have documentation of schools doing this. Mm-mm. So, yes. Th- well, there's documentation of uh, all over those websites I mentioned, some of which, again, it, it, all of this is on Twitter because I've kind of been going crazy on Twitter, uh, where they encourage that and they call it social transition. Um, that's where I think we've got a problem. OK, you know, Shannon is now Shane, you know, uh, now, you know, this literally is the opposite sex, this child. OK, so that's social transition. That's the first step in uh, affirmative treatment. Now, what you will see activists saying, and of course, there's truth to this. They'll say, what's wrong with it? There's no medical treatment. We, you people are all getting hysterical over nothing. We're not doing surgery on five-year-olds. True, true. But you are you know, setting them on a pathway where that may be something to consider. And in fact, some of the children's books kind of get into that. They'll, you know, they'll talk about it. You know, someday, you know, I might see a doctor and this and that will happen. Okay. So anyway, as you get older, I think we know it can start to phase into medical transition, right? The first step of which is puberty blockers. Okay. And how, how younger um, are those being dispensed with? <laughs> okay. so, so that really depends on when the child goes through puberty, Right. So there are certainly cases of, and it's openly talked about by some of the affirmative uh, providers. Uh, you know, one of the more famous ones is Johanna Olson Kennedy. There's plenty of times where she's discussed this. I mean, look, if a kid, so it's called Tanner 2, okay? It's, a, it's the, not the very, very, very beginning of puberty, but pretty close. That's when puberty blockers are prescribed uh, for gender dysphoric children by affirmative uh, care. So, I mean, you could, you know, there are, ch- I mean, <laughs> well, puberty note, though, blockers, puberty well, okay, blockers so, have been used on young females about to that, say that, that begin uh, menstruating at nine or something like that. Exactly. Right? I was, thank you. You were, I was about to say that they've been around for a while. Um, and that's what they were used for. Now, if, if the, that same nine year old child has been identified by all the adults in their life as trans, then sure. They could go on puberty blockers at eight, whatever, whatever the age is. It's 10 or two. Okay. Now, and let me just mention something else. uh, And this is uh, more recent. So the puberty blockers originally, they were first used by some clinicians in Amsterdam. They sort of started the the process. um, With regard to transition or forestalling. Puberty blockers, Long exactly. Puberty. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pioneered it. Okay, it's with a lot of assessment. They weren't affirmers. In fact, they were against social transition. They wrote papers talking about you shouldn't do that because you may concretize an identity in a child, and it's hard to go back. And they've written about the kids who had a hard time going. That's embarrassing. And Which is terrible when you're in a teenager. Embarrassment oh, is, yeah. is the the worst thing. Yeah, saving face. You know, yeah. it's it's big. It's, we all know. We've all been there, right? Um, so, but what's become more so with these affirmative 
many of the affirmative uh, treaters, they're also foreshortening or even not doing puberty blockers at all. This is becoming a thing, okay? Mm-hmm. So, because it used to be to give the child time to think, right? Let, let's, let's continue our assessment process. Let's uh, really see, you know, this gives them time before they do something which is going to cause permanent changes like cross-sex hormones. The question right. about can, child, can a child think... <laughs> about that is it's an open question like is is two years between 11 and 13 or 12 and 14 time to think is that does does a child have the capacity to do that are they developed in that way and if you're going to stop their development and socially transition it's just i'm just kind of pointing out like there's well i think you know probably what what i think and that is no i don't think that they're ready to you know, talk about, uh, yes, I will be permanently infertile. I will never have children of my own. All the various, you know, yes, I'm ready. If, you know, I might change my mind later and maybe I don't want to be bald and have a deep voice for girls, right? No, I don't. I mean, we're not, (laughs) yeah, when we're that age, we should just be enjoying ourselves, we're not really at an age to think about adult life 10, 20, 30, 40 years from there. I don't think we have that capacity. But let me just quickly say again, yeah. what's, how things are changing, they're accelerating, okay? Where it, it, it's no longer seen so much as time to think. And that is because, oh, if a child says they're trans at five, six, seven years old, eight, nine, okay, let's put them on blockers. Why are we even putting them on blockers? We know they're trans. And, and the doctors, some of these doctors, there are, there are issues with blockers. You know, bone uh, density is an issue that everyone is aware of. Um, there's some other studies that have come out possible affecting the IQ. So these doctors acknowledge it. And they're now kind of saying, well, we don't want people on blockers for too long. The Dutch, so the Dutch originally said you shouldn't go on to cross-sex hormones before age 16. So you would have kids on blockers for, what you know, two, three, four, five years, however many. Um, and now these affirmative doctors, and again, it's sort of an iatrogenic thing. You know what iatrogenic means? It's sort of caused by the treatment. So you've created a situation where um, there are problems with the blockers, so how do we deal with those problems? Well, you know, in other parts of the world, there's a, a, the brakes are being put on. You know, we know in Finland, in France, uh, in um, Sweden, uh, the UK is, is being, becoming more cautious. You know, oh, there's problems with blockers and with early treatment of kids. Let's slow down. What you see more in the United States is let's speed up. <laughs> Let's put them on cross-sex hormones sooner. Here's the other reason they want to put them on cross-sex hormones sooner, not just because there's issues with puberty blockers as a drug, but so they can go through puberty with their peers, right? So you don't have a kid, let's say they're on blockers in fifth or sixth grade. So instead of having them be on blockers half two-thirds of the way through high school where they're behind, because they would be, Let's let them go through puberty with their peers. You see how it's internally consistent. Well, yeah, and, and it's all embodied in the in the meaning of gender affirmation. If we are gender affirming, 
Absolutely. Then why would you pause? Why would you think, why would you not even be skeptical, but why would you even pause puberty? There's nothing to think about, right? There's nothing to think about. They've known they were trans since they were two, three, four years old. And this is commonly said now, you know, I mean, you know, we have a mole in a a parent group of affirming parents. I mean, you wouldn't even believe how many of them have little young children. And it's like, yep, they're trans. They're trans. Let's change, you know, let's change the birth certificate. Let's do all these things. Get a packer. Oh my God. Yes. Get a packer. They come in. There's there's so many ways we can go in this conversation. (laughs) Should we come back to, I I definitely want to talk a little bit more about what's going on at the federal level and that stuff. Should we go? Do you want to go back to that? Yeah. I just, I just wanted, I just wanted to cement what we're talking about and and what, what they are pushing the federal government. So let's go back to the federal government. Who is pushing this? All right. So last week, I, I don't remember which day it was, but it was Trans Day of Visibility last week. That's when they did a bunch of stuff. Uh, Rachel Levine uh, invited a bunch of uh, trans kids and their families to the White House. It was sort of a the whole day was a was a okay. We're gonna we're really gonna focus on this now. So uh, I mentioned the website where they've put up a whole affirming care. Uh, you'll be able to link to all this stuff, I guess, yeah, in the the description. Uh, you know, they, they put up the whole, you need to affirm your kid. Uh, there was another website, which was even stronger language. It basically said, everyone is responsible to do this. Parents, teachers, very boldly stated, you are responsible for affirming your child. Now, the other thing which I found the most, I guess, disturbing that the federal government did the same day is the Department of Justice put out a letter and it was a letter to the states and and you know bookmark this this we're going to touch on the law in florida because it's all about the law in florida and some other ones they basically warned the states that the language was that if you have a, a a trans youth or minor i believe they said the word minor who is seeking affirmative care If you do not do that, if you stop that in some way, uh, you may be, uh, it may be unconstitutional discrimination. Okay, I'm going to have to talk to uh, Candace uh, or another lawyer about this, but are children's rights enshrined in the Constitution? So isn't that an interesting question? And yes, I believe that I interacted with her on Twitter. She's wonderful, as you know. People should follow her. Candace with an I, Candace Jackson. Yeah. Um, she used to actually uh, work at the federal level in the yeah. Department of Education and I believe Department of Labor. I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is a big question. Well, of course, everyone has some rights. I mean, children have the right not to be abused, right? I mean... But do is it is it against their constitutional rights if their parent? So this was really aimed at doctors. Obviously, it's aimed at politicians. The Justice Department letter, basically warning them: Hey, if you get a patient, you know, and hey, you legislatures in those states that are you know trying to pass restrictive laws, you better not do that because you are violating their civil rights. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to have Candace 
uh, you know, address that, you know, if you get her on again, uh, because it is, you, you know, <laughs> so they're warning, you know, they're warning doctors, they're warning politicians, but they're also warning unaffirm, unaffirming parents, non-affirming parents, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what does it mean if you go to the doctor with your child and you say, look, you know, my daughter thinks she's a boy. I don't. Here's the reasons I don't think so and why I think we should, you know, not go forward with this. And what and if the, what if the doctor says, no, 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 let's do that. Let's let's get her on blockers. Is the parent in violation of federal law? Yes. I mean, that's where we are. Her. That's right. where we are with Well, and we already know that there have been some custody. About it. But this is a different level. OK, this is next level. When you have the Justice Department telling the states they must affirm minors, okay? Should we should we go down a little bit the Florida law? Yeah, and- I just I just want to point out that this Justice Department is kind of interesting because they've already insinuated that parents that are concerned about their children's education are associated with terrorism. Like there's already they already insinuated that last year that these uh, parents showing up to these. Uh, you know, school board oh. meetings are kind of terrorists. And now they're Domestic going... Domestic terrorists. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they kind of made that insinuation. And now they're saying... Now they really want... The government, this Justice Department, really wants to control what a child is, how they learn, and wants to decrease the parents' rights. And, exactly. And then and that- bundled into what the government wants is gender affirmation care, which is medicalization for life at the end of that is medicalization well so before the uh, just to put a point on it it's social transition before that okay so yes it is and they list all the medical treatments on the hhs website okay and what would hhs stand for Health and Human Services okay okay thank you Health and Human Services which is about it's sort of the you know it's the 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 federal agency that's above is to do with everything to do with health and healthcare, right? So Medicare, Medicaid, all of those things fall under HHS. It's a very powerful agency, mm-hmm. right? Um, and yeah, just again to say that you know it's not only the curricula which is you know being talked about now so widely across the political spectrum. It is things like and we're going to transition your kid in school. And if your kid said there's gender support plans, Mm -hmm. okay. Uh, By all these uh, places, gender spectrum, uh, welcoming schools, these are all used as model uh, plans and recommended by the federal government. Now we now know that. And in those plans, it's made very clear if the child is not out to the parents. So one of the things they say is if the child is not out to the parent, what you do, you cannot change their uh, their name or uh, gender marker in official documents. However, you can change, put their name on lesson plans. Uh, you can make sure that you call them by the name they want in class. And what I find very striking about this is none of them have, talk about age limits of any kind. So it's the same for a five-year-old as an 18-year-old. You know, I mean, a five-year-old and an 18-year-old high school senior are very different. Mm -hmm. 
But there's no distinguish. I looked carefully. No, K through 12, K through 12, K through 12. Are we, before we go further, are we aware of any deliberation process within the Biden administration and all these various agencies that argued through this? Or is this just, everybody just flipped a switch? Like, this is a very extreme measure. It, it seems, seems like they would have thought through this. And we would have heard some murmurs about that. As far as you're aware. You would think so, wouldn't you? You would think so. Well, look, again... Those. You know, again, okay, so Rachel Levine, so during the the uh, confirmation hearings about a year ago, okay, right after the uh, Biden was, you know, took office, there were hearings for the various uh, appointees, okay? Rachel Levine was one of them. Uh, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky uh, questioned Rachel Levine. I hope it's Levine. It might be Levine. I'm sorry if I'm not saying it correctly. Um, and he was very hard on Rachel. And one of the He's things hard on that a lot of people, yeah, I mean, he. I will say this: whatever you think of his politics, he he does his homework, or his staff does. He doesn't just say. I mean, some some of these you know senators just say stuff, and it seems like they don't even have any background. He clearly has either he's done the research or his staff has done the research. In any case, he started questioning about whether Levine thought it was okay. This is important. Uh, for a minor to get gender affirming treatment and he said hormones and surgeries without parental consent okay he put a fine point on it and then rand paul went on to say you have said and this is from a 2017 talk that rachel levine did uh that homeless teenagers that you have put them directly on cross-sex hormones homeless street kids it's like okay. a spay and neuter company for so I looked cats it up and, dogs, and I looked it up and I ended up doing a tweet thread on it that you can find the talk. It's still up on YouTube. He says he actually says, excuse me, he she, whatever Rachel Levine, that it's good to put them directly on cross sex hormones. You notice a few minutes ago I said there, there's now a trend toward either foreshortening or doing away entirely with puberty blockers. So Levine basically says, look, they're on the street, you know, they're street kids, they're in trouble, let's get them into their authentic gender quickly. Okay, so, 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 so Rand Paul questioned okay. Levine about yeah. this, okay? Levine wouldn't answer the question. Now, let's fast forward to two days ago, okay? In the Congress, there was a hearing. I'm not sure exactly what the hearing was about. What I do know, and I saw a clip, is that uh, Xavier uh, Becerra, who is above Levine, okay, he, Becerra is first in command at HHS, was asked the same question. Wouldn't answer the question. Why not? <laughs> you tell me political expediency or everybody's on board with this like everybody's just on board of this or they're not allowed to question it it's all affirmation you can't good uh, exactly but 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 what's striking it isn't just do you think it's okay for young people to go on hormones and even have surgeries it was without parental consent okay 
That is quite stunning. What other medical treatment? I mean, if you asked about any other medical treatment, I, I would imagine they would have said, well, of course we have to have parental consent. That's, you know, I don't even, th- you know, I, let's say a child has cancer. Okay. Terminal cancer. And there are treatments. Let's say that there's radiation, you know, uh, chemo. And let's say the doctors have all said, you know, the, the child, we could probably buy the child another year or two, but it's, we're not going to end this. Let's say the child has already been on some treatments and is miserable. The parents would have the right to say, you know what? No, we're not going to continue with this. We want our child to, you know, have a, a happy life, whatever is left, even if it's shorter. Nobody's going to force those parents into doing a treatment. I mean, what in the world is going on here? Is this the only area of medicine where we have top-level federal officials refusing to answer the question? Most genital mutilation is not typically performed by force, but as WHO notes that by social convention, social norm, the social pressure to conform, to do what others do and have been doing, as well as the need to be accepted socially and the fear of being rejected by the community. American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, Transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I will look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender medicine. I'm alarmed that poor kids with no parents who are homeless and distraught You would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. He wouldn't answer the question. So what does that say? You know, what? to me, it's saying, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I think it's okay. At the very least, it's maybe. Yeah. Because otherwise you would just say, well, no, of course not. We yeah. have to have parental consent. This is alarming stuff. Well, even if, uh, even if, I, I guess it, it's controversial, it's showing their hand uh, for them to say anything other than no comment or dodge the question. But even if they say there are certain circumstances such as abusive relationships or uh, abusive home life where we can carefully navigate that question, but on a case-to-case basis, it should be a case-to-case basis. But even if they said... Why wouldn't they even just say that? And just well, say- isn't that a great question that you just asked? And so, I mean, okay, so reasoning that through, I think that Levine, and look, another person who has said that, uh, talked about putting homeless kids on hormones is Johanna Olson Kennedy at LA Children's Hospital. And same thing. And she has said, uh, okay, these are street kids. Some of them are doing sex work, sex work uh, kids. 
um, you know, they're they're on drugs, this, that, the other thing. We have to do this. That, that's my question with that is who is giving consent if they're living on the street? If they're street kids, that means they're not even under, you know, they're not even being fostered. Yeah. Who's giving yeah. who's giving informed consent to these kids? Are they just driving around in vans and snatching them? Hey kids, you wanna not reproduce? Because that would take a weight off of our shoulders as the government. Yeah, I know you're joking. I'm sure they're not quite that cavalier. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's hard not to laugh, even though this stuff is so damn serious. It's very serious. You know? But I mean, I, I'm just thinking back on, on the plenteous hours I've spent discussing uh, the woke or postmodernism or all mm. this activism stuff. And I, I yeah. don't think this idea a lot ideology allows for anything other than doubling down and i think that they are the brakes are completely off the okay let's can we talk about that for a minute because as a lifelong registered democrat it is quite clear that this is not a winning thing to do the 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 doubling down especially around this issue okay so I, i i let me i there's a poll that was taken, and this will segue into the Florida bill. I don't, we don't need to explain it. Well, so it's very controversial. Lots of people are talking about it. It is the critics Wait, say. Before it's we too- go there, can we just say gay? Just let, let's just say gay, 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 gay. 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 Okay, the word gay is not in the bill. Yeah. No, nor is homosexual. So, so the bill it, it has vague language, and some of the critics have a point which is that it could have a chilling effect. If you're a gay teacher, you see that it says, I mean, the core of it says you cannot do, the wording is classroom instruction in sexual orientation or gender identity in grades K through three. And beyond uh, the third grade, it needs to be uh, age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I, I don't think coming into school, let's say, you know, if you're a gay teacher and you're like, oh, my husband and I had a great weekend, that's not classroom instruction and sexual orientation. I think if, if some, somebody tried to fire that teacher, I said this on Twitter, you know, they'd have a good case for a lawsuit, the teacher would, because mm-hmm. that ain't classroom instruction. Ha- having said that, I understand when people say, hang on, this is going to be a chilling effect. Okay. So why, why is this happening now, though? We've had gay teachers. There's plenty of kids with two moms and two dads for years. Yeah, the I don't think Florida is known as a homophobic state, right? Uh, maybe right. So, so the Obergefell decision, which was a Supreme Court decision in 2015, that's when gay marriage, same-sex marriage, marriage equality, uh, became essentially the law of the land. They said that any state laws uh, saying it was illegal were unconstitutional. 2015. Okay, seems like forever ago that that happened, right? Um, Why didn't we suddenly have all these bills then? We didn't. The reason we're having the bills now, and the people who are denying this, and it's mainly the left, and I've been hammering this, it's because of all this early grade gender indoctrination garbage that's been building up for years. It's not because Tommy has two moms. It's not because Mr. Smith is gay. That is not why we're seeing these bills right now. And we need to be very clear on who to blame. You know, I mean, so let me just say this in connection to that. So one of the things I did 
is I looked and I found a poll, okay, uh, by a polling outfit that it must be said that 538.com, which is a left-leaning polling outfit, right, yeah. Nate Silver? Okay, yeah. he, they rank that polling outfit, which is called Public Opinion Strategies, and I'm looking at my notes here so I get this right, A- minus in overall you know, accuracy. They think it's a good poll. Okay. So I'm saying that. Because what I'm about to tell you, I can imagine some people go, well, what are you talking about? It's a Republican poll. They don't know what they're talking about. Okay. So this isn't just some, you know, far right polling outfit that's, that's garbage. So they did a poll about the quote unquote, don't say gay bill, which is not what it is. Uh, and w- what they did is they read the actual language to the people that they polled. And what they found, hold on. Can I help me or not? <laughs> the light is getting dim. Now, we, of course, re- Republican voters were in favor of the bill, 70 to 23. No surprise there, right? Independents, 58. So this is fav- in favor or against, all right? Independents, 58 to 26. Democrats, 55 to 29. Hmm. Biden, 2020 voters. 53 to 30%. Parents, 67 to 24. And I can get you this if you want to link to it. Know someone, LGBTQ, 61 to 28. Now, that's when they were read the language, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what's really interesting is that I've seen so many gay and lesbian people saying, yeah, I don't have a problem with this. Now, some do. It, it, look, it's a controversial thing, uh, right? But there's, only, there's a reason why this is happening, and it's because of organizations like Gender Spectrum. It's because organizations like the Human Rights Campaign, okay? So the many ACLU of these... And yeah, so many of these organizations used to be about civil rights for gay and lesbian people, right? Yeah. Uh, same-sex marriage, you know, no employment discrimination, that kind of thing. They pivoted after Obergefell. Okay, that's the Supreme Court decision legalizing gay marriage, right? They pivoted to trans issues. And not just trans issues, little kids. I mean, this is not a winning issue for the Democrats to double down on. So you you said a few minutes ago, you said there's nothing they can do except double down. There's like, that's just what happens. In the face of polling like this, why are they doing it? Yeah. Do you have a theory? Because I don't, I don't understand. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't understand either. One <laughs> is if you uh, I, just imagine the moral uh, climate behind the scenes of, we're not going to answer these questions. This is what we're going to do. So there's, it doesn't seem like anybody's discussing this because encapsulated in the phrase trans kid and gender affirmation care is that there are no questions. We believe the children. And so, and we know their track record with other forms of science too. Right. So there's no discussion there. Even if they're going to lose elections, because that's what I'm talking about. They're going to look. Okay. So Virginia, maybe not everyone knows what happened in Virginia, right. In last November. So this was a big upset. Yeah. Right. White women ruined the day. 
<laughs> soccer moms, soccer yeah. moms, right? Suburban soccer moms. But I mean, so McAuliffe, Terry McAuliffe, who used to be the head of the DNC, I think, he was supposed to win in a walk, just win in a walk, right? Uh-oh, Glenn Youngkin, right, won. And I don't, and it was by a reasonable, pretty good margin. And a lot of Virginia parents had been going to those school board meetings, being called domestic terrorists, all that stuff. And it's like, okay, that's a bellwether what happened in Virginia. Do they think it can't happen in other states? Do they think that the, it's, it won't happen in the midterms? I, don't I mean, what in the world is going on here? Either, either they're not communicating amongst themselves or there's some sort of cognitive dissonance like Chernobyl's going on, right? Where, where nobody's allowed to speak the truth or they think that they can create an outcome in the election um, that defies all polling data. Well, good luck with that because they pissed off parents big time. I mean, you're not a parent, but I think you get it. When you start doing things that makes parents feel like you're getting between them and their kids, they don't understand the sleeping tiger they're waking up. And we're seeing it now. I mean, and again, it's across the spectrum. I mean, if people don't realize that, you know, lifelong Democrats like me and other parents aren't having an issue with this, I don't understand. You know, these political operatives are paid a lot of money to know what's going on and to win elections. Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know. Uh, There's got to be some sort of calculus. They've had to have reasoned through this. Either they know that they can instigate another crisis right beforehand Right. Mm. If if people are going to tolerate mm. $7 gas to save Ukraine, which doesn't make any sense, but that's what they're saying, mm. so we're just going to eat it, it it just it doesn't make sense. So we're going to have to see. Bob Woodward maybe will write the novel or something, but I, I, I think, <laughs> you know, people, they're, they're writing so high on the but Trump card that I think that they think that they have carte blanche and they don't. But we can't really speculate on that until we have more information. I would like to hear about the other side of this because you have moles or maybe even they identify as a naked mole rat in these (laughs) parent groups. What is the psychology of the parents who are on board with this? What is the psychology of parents who are transing their children? And Munchausen by proxy or whatever is a probably a very surface level interpretation of that. But have you wrestled with that and figured out like what is so addictive about trans kid, the trans kid? Why is that such a captivating thing? Aside from the status, the social status that it gets you, I think there's something addictive about this, about this. There's several things. So social status is, you know, part of it. Uh, Here's what I think are the key elements. Uh, there's a uh, narrative that's been around for a while, which is untrue, that there are only two options, suicide or transition. That is the trump card for any parent, okay? And what I would call unethical clinicians have pushed it, what I would call failed journalists, which is most of them, have pushed, I'm sorry, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> the real journalists are on subsec now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
I can shout out to several, but most of them have been pushing, pushing, pushing. You don't do this. Your kid's going to die. We could stop right there, frankly, because again, as a parent, if I thought that there was something that I had to do or else my kid would kill herself, I'd do it. End of, end of. Okay. But that's just, that's just part of it. But I think it's really important. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The other it's a thing, very note, but just pausing, going back to the federal government, that language doesn't seem to be around anymore on the policy level. Is it still a firm oh, or it's die? There. Is it? Okay. So well, it's still there. It's They're not pushing that me. quite that it's more baldly stated. Okay. They will talk about, I mean, we know the rabbit holes we could go down with certain studies that have been ripped to shreds. You know, Jack Turbin has done studies around this, which Jesse Single tore to pieces. I mean, there's studies and they're terrible, which seem to say you better do this or your kid's going to off themselves. I do think some of that language, it, again, it's not that bald. They don't say transition your kid or they'll kill themselves. Now, Joel Baum of Gender Spectrum. So just a quick little tangent. You know, I said we've been covering this for years. Mm-hmm. There was a conference in 2016. Joel Baum is now a senior, uh, what does he call himself? Senior director of, of uh, Gender Spectrum, one of these organizations doing the indoctrination in schools. Uh, we've got clips, and I, I actually sent them to you in an email uh, from that conference. Mm-hmm. And one, of, he's very threatening. He says, you know, you can want grandchildren, mom, and you can, you know, think that this isn't a good idea, but, you know, they may make a decision later on. And, you know, so I just lost my train of thought when I went on that tangent. Suicide. Suicide or transition, number one. Okay. And you in those forums, you see it, right? I mean, the sad thing is that a lot of their kids some of them become suicidal. I I don't want to go too far into this. There's more options than suicide or transition. There's also more than one way to support your, your kid. Okay. I mean, I supported my daughter and support are two different things, but they want to make it seem like it's the same. I'm glad you said that because the federal government seems to be saying that now, right? We know all these organizations do some of these affirming doctors do, right? I mean, my daughter, we had a hard time when she wanted to transition, but I did love and support her in every way as far as doing whatever she wanted to do, wear what you want, cut your hair, I'll pay for all of it. But I didn't affirm, you know, and there is a distinction there. And family support is important when somebody's suicidal. I mean, we all know that, right? So that's number one, suicide or transition. But the other thing that's going on with these parents is the internet. It's the kind of social contagion that, uh, you know, Helena Kirshner talks about, has so brilliantly written about. The parents are also in a social contagion. You know, it, 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 there's all these forums. So the, the one that, the, one, the main one we have somebody in has 8,000 members. It's the oldest one. It has Jazz Jennings' mother in it. It has Debbie Jackson the mother of a child who was on the cover of National Geographic at age nine and the star of an HBO special. We got sort of big name people, but for the most part, it's a bunch of ordinary parents. Um, they all feed on each other, you know? And they push out anybody who questions or, or betrays Oh, them yes. Out, right? They'll accept a little bit of questioning, okay. but not a lot. 
like, you know, yeah, I understand this is hard for you, you know, but the minute somebody starts saying, I don't know, you know, I don't know that this is such a great idea. I don't know if, you know, a a four-year-old girl should wear a Packer, you know, uh, you know, okay, so hold on. We just have to highlight this. So a packer <laughs> is, a, is a fake penis that that are tailored to be the size for a child, like age appropriate penis is which is uh, an oxymoron. But parents are sharing websites where you can go and buy this. And this is supposed to affirm the daughter specifically. Are there uh, boob packers? You just give the kid a bra, right? And tissue paper, right? It's a lot well, these are little children. Cheaper, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Probably. So for the boys, it's it's tucking underwear. So they are actually mashing little boys' genitals yep. to affirm their gender mm-hmm. identity. And yeah. these and are so parents me, doing this. And they're yeah, coaching and so each other and doing something. this. So one of the hallmarks, I believe, of Fourth Wave Now that I'm very proud of is that we quote unquote always bring the receipts. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, people, you see people all the time just say stuff and with no substantiation at all. You yeah. know, I always try, we, the small group of us who work together on all this, you know, we always find links. We make sure that we substantiate everything we say. So uh, on the Packers and the Tuckers, tucking underwear, I guess you don't call them Tuckers. Um, uh, <laughs> Tucker, Tucker Underwood. <laughs> I don't know. There's a fun. I don't know. So, so, so they're all talking about it. This is real. I've had journalists who have gone into those groups. I'm not going to say who they are, but there are journalists who the the mole gave permission, and they've said, "Yeah, this is true." I've had people say, "Oh, come on, you know, you just you're just highlighting something." Probably no, hardly anybody does. Okay. I wouldn't say it's probably the majority, but how come there's companies that are thriving who are selling this crap? There's Etsy uh, people. There's uh, two you can get them or like three, in, in, like woven crocheted uh, packers or silicone. I know packers. those are the real crafty ones. Well, the yeah. silicone ones. So those are primarily made by people, by organizations, or I don't know, manufacturers who also make sex. Uh, yeah. toys and stuff you know adult dildos and all that, those things they exist they have websites you can go look it up yourself yeah. you know it's how many people are doing it okay enough parents are doing it to, that they're selling them i mean this is just right and to go back to how we launched off on this particular tangent the <laughs> parents who question that are berated for questioning parents who are doing that right the so parents saying i don't think or that's even a good keep- idea are getting yeah, the, here's the, the kind of response you'll get. They will get. They'll say, it, oh, come on, you're being, they'll, they'll get offended. And they'll say, it's not a sex toy. You know, this is not anything to do with sex. It is this a is to literal do with, sex toy. It's a sex but it's toy. Not, I mean, it's not, so, it's not for orgasm, but it's a sex, it's genitals, and it's basically a toy. It's a little plastic penis that you put it in your pants. Peter Pepper Packed a packed a pipe of pup, pickled pup, pup, peckers. Packers. <laughs> packers. <laughs> uh, it's hard not to laugh. It really is. I, I, I mean, I cannot look. I cannot get my head around a parent who would put a silicone penis in their four-year-old daughter's underwear because they make them for little little kids. Yeah, but this is something um, that's existing, and this is normalized yeah. within these parent groups. You just wouldn't believe it. You, uh, honestly, you would yeah. not believe. Okay. And and back to people. So it isn't just that they're uh, they don't like when people push back. People get kicked out of the group sometimes. 
for any kind of questioning. So, so you know, I think historians, it's going to be, I don't know how long it's going to take to talk about what the Internet has done to humanity. But, but I mean, it's changed everything, you know, and, and these parents are experiencing social contagion, too. Now, these, I, you can laugh at these parents, but honestly, without the affirming physicians and psychologists this would not be happening. The, the, if you had a psychologist and doctor saying, Mrs. Smith, this is not a good idea. I don't think you should be buying Packers and tucking underwear for your little children. It wouldn't be happening. But I'm telling you, having seen a lot of these posts, you know they're talking to the clinicians about it. They're, I doubt that they're hiding it. So what's wrong with the clinicians? They see they also they a lot of them they think they're doing God's work, and this kind well, of circles back. But this kind of circles back to what you said a few minutes ago when we're struggling with why is this happening? How can you know Democratic operatives making six figures think this is a good idea to go with this? There's something about the human mind where if you feel righteous, right? There's even a book written called The Righteous Mind. I forget who wrote this book. Jonathan Haidt. That's right. It's one that's on my list that I keep not getting to reading. If you have a righteous mind, I guess. And look, I understand these doctors. They think that they're saving these trans kids. They're hurting a lot of gay, pre-gay kids and actually gay older kids who actually are gay, you know, post-pubertal. Um, they seem to think that's okay collateral damage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a whole other rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. What's been done to gay and lesbian people because of the fusing on, not just of the tea, but with all this child stuff, which is making people go, this is the gay agenda. You know, we told you, we told you if you did gay marriage, that oh, you, you were going to be, you were going to get our kids. You know, the gay rights movement, other than it, it wasn't, they were kicked out. You know, organizations like the Man Love Boy uh, Association, and other, they were kicked out of the movement because mm-hmm. gay people didn't want those people in there. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, gay people are paying the price for this. And Candace talks about this a lot. On both ends. On both ends. It's they're, terrible. They're paying the, the social price by being associated with the rainbow, which isn't even a rainbow with the pink and the brown and the gray and the white no. and all that stuff coming in. But um, yeah. they're paying the price socially, and they're also paying the price um, physically because... As my recent guest uh, Tulip said, this is basically right. uh, the, the AIDS epidemic reboot, but it's intentional for the gay community. This is destroying a generation. This is tearing apart the bodies of homosexuals. And I, yeah. I do have to do the caveat. It's not just I mean, Hel- Helena is not gay. You know, there, there are a lot of straight, um, specifically women that are getting sw- swept up. So I want to say something about the straight uh women so back to the dutch okay the dutch pioneers yeah Uh, you know one of the first things i delved into was uh their research and in their cohorts the uh, there was the, the study that everybody talks about where there were like 70 i believe 70 young people all of the persisters, or 98% or something like that, were same-sex attracted. We're talking about the adolescent age, okay? Okay. 
the desisters were straight. Desisters are the ones who went through this extensive process the Dutch used to use. You know, they carefully, carefully, carefully assess, follow them for years, then very, very carefully pick a few who were appropriate for puberty blockers and go forward. I mean, I still have some issues with how the Dutch did things, but they weren't, you know, affirm, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So isn't that interesting? We have all these straight girls now, right, who would have been desisters under the slower process. Most of them would have been. Maybe not all. Most of them. All of a sudden, there's so many heterosexual girls doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Back to the internet, right? Back to anime, back to all the various things that are happening on the internet, right? I, you just cannot, I just think people need to well, talk about this And then more. on the other side is the uh, autogynophilic male. Um, and there's a whole yes. question about that and then the way that they're treated online. It's, I think it's, it's more. It's really interesting. And then the pornography, all this stuff. Like, oh, I think that it's you know, more complicated. Straight. I think it's more complicated than what Blanchard uh, originally said before the internet. I think we've added a whole dimension. Now, of course, the other thing we've added is it is not cool to be a straight, white, cis person. Well, no, it's not even not cool. It's like you are the brunt of everybody's ire. Everybody can make fun of you constantly. Yeah, you're at the bottom of the the oppression hierarchy or the top, whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the straight girl thing is really... I mean, it's just as much of a problem, obviously, with lesbians, because like you said, it's, you know, it's conversion therapy mm-hmm. for lesbians. But, you know, the straight girls, it's like, what? Anyway, they should have been the sisters. They were. Yeah. No, In the old days. Yeah. So we, we have a stack of cards. We got the federal government. We got the medical industrial complex. We'll see if the federal government can get away with another election and continue on this path. I don't know how they'll do it, but maybe they have something up their sleeve. Everything's going to be mail-in voting and Bitcoin. You're just going to have to vote with your Bitcoin now and they can regulate that. I don't know. I'm just saying. Like The only reason that they would get a, go this far on a losing issue is if there's the broke down communication like because of righteous mind or fear mm. or something like that, or they mm. think that they can can maintain power. I don't know. Um, so there's that. The medical industry, we've been talking about that, and I guess the only way to solve that would be lawsuits or more stories, such as what I've produced and what you've been bringing out um, of the detransitioners and the desisters. Um, but I think that most people understand that this is common sense. This is a violation of common sense. So much of this is a violation of common sense. It's dressed up in progressive, nicest, nice-ish language. But mm. if you actually look at it and you withstand the slings and arrows of a thousand people calling you a phobe or a bigot, you know, it's just, it's it's all out there. And they can't but double down like women in sports. Like they can't but double oh. down on this stuff. Yeah, right. Even though, and of course that's make the, uh, we all know the Leah Thomas thing. Yeah has brought all of that forward in a way that it wasn't before. Uh, And yet, yeah, don't give an inch. Yeah. I just, I don't know how long it can last, but we have to keep on (laughs) getting angry. I don't know. So mental health wise, you've been doing this for seven years. You know, how, how have you uh, dealt with like all this information? (laughs) You know, how do you ground yourself while you're, while you're thinking through this and not like just succumb to dread or conspiracy theories or anything like that? 
Well, I do sometimes. <laughs> How can you not? <laughs> all of the above. All of the above. Yeah. Um, let me just say this. You know, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. You know, my daughter desisted because of the horse farm. <laughs> yeah. You sent um, your daughter to the horse farm. I didn't send her. Okay. You know, they like to say some, that it was somehow, you know, in the, in the, the dead of night. I loaded her into a truck and forced her to go to a horse farm. <laughs> to the horsey she to log. Go, or as she said, the transphobic horses, right? Oh. Uh, she wanted to go. I'm lucky that way, too. She wanted to go. It was something she wanted to do. So, you know, getting out of her environment and that whole story. Um, so I'm lucky that way. And so I don't have the ongoing stress of worrying about her and her health and, and, and like that. So I'm lucky mm -hmm. that way there, you know, it's, it, I don't know if you've had another parent who's been through this on a video, but not many people can do it. Yeah. Not many people can show their face and, 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 uh, and, people and, have and, to hide. and it's part of why I finally decided to do it because I feel like I can. And on some level, I feel that I should. Um, and also Kiara's, totally supportive of this i said oh you know i'm going to do a benjamin boyce episode so she's oh great say hi to him <laughs> but you know even even some uh so often what happens with the sisters is that um they're done with it and she kind of is you know, you know they go through this whole thing it's like i'm done with this i'm moving on with life you know um, that was a chapter and i don't want it anymore you know there's a few people and i mean helena stands out as someone who mm. is still with it Sinead and is a uh, yeah. force to be reckoned with Sinead. Uh, yeah. Carol, uh, incredible work they're doing. You know, I so appreciate what they're doing and they're the ones who really have to do it because parents, parents are just parents, whether you're right or wrong, you know? Um, so I don't have that, uh, a kind of stress around it that I used to when I first started. Right. Uh, are you asking what do I do to take care of my mental health when I do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots and lots of hiking. I'm a big yeah. hiker. I have a dog that I hike six, seven miles with. Um, I travel when I can. Uh, just time with friends. Real basic well, I, stuff. I bring it up because uh, anti-active, I mean, you're battling activists, Therefore, yeah. you are an activist, and I think activism yeah. drives people crazy. And we see this with the GC movement going oh off the God. rails. You know, uh, we don't have to get into that, but like people <sighs> get completely dysregulated because of the righteous mind thing, and because yeah. of the dopamine that's involved in this work, and also you know you're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting, and and people stop becoming human <laughs> in a way. They stop like being alive they get completely swept up in this and you've been doing and i ask that because you've been doing seven years of incredibly deep work incredibly yeah off and on work. i mean yeah. right now it's an intense period again yeah, yeah. it's not as constant there hasn't been an update to the website in a while but we're going to um what you said about so I, it's so important not to dehumanize other people you know, I mean, there are people, you know, some of these activists and some of the crazy shit that's going on. Yeah, I feel super angry, but I, I feel that's a really important aspect of it. When you talk about some of the going off the rails, I think 
when you start to dehumanize your political or your whatever adversary, it can go down a very dark road and it's toxic to you. I think that's maybe part of what you're pointing to. You know, if you hate, 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 hate what you consider to be the other side, it hurts you just as much as who you hate. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to be Pollyanna. Nobody would ever call me a Pollyanna. (laughs) No one. But, you know, they are, people still are human. And I, I sort of feel like diplomacy is always preferable to war if, if there's a good faith, if there's not good faith, then you don't talk to them. And if, if you're talking about social media, you block them or, you know, it's a waste of time. Well, that brings up the question of the groomer crusade. The oh, okay good. You brought thing. it back up. Yeah. I want, I want, um, people ask <sighs> me what I think about that. I don't have really any thoughts about that. I think it's interesting, um, just as a social media phenomenon or discursive mm. phenomena. But what are your thoughts on that? Because that, that's a, that's a war, that's wartime, uh, rhetoric, you know, okay. Groomer, uh, democratic groomers going, going that far is pretty, it's pretty hard stuff. It can be very divisive. A lot of moderates are getting mealy mouthed about it. Don't do that. I've even seen though that, that today. It's been 10 years of them calling us racist, but we're not going to turn around and do the same thing, which turn is the high is road. Fair play. Turn about is fair play. Yeah. So this, this is I, th- like so much of this. I feel like this is sort of complex. Um, I totally understand it. Um, I guess I'm one of the people, though, who when I hear groomer, for me, it has always uh, been actual grooming for some sort of sexual abuse. That's how I see it. Yeah. Now, I understand how it's being used broadly, I, I, and I get it, why they're doing it. I don't, I kind of don't know what I think, if it's a good idea or not. Um, Look, I don't think that the gender spectrum people and all the people bringing in all this crazy gender indoctrination into kindergarten, for heaven's sakes, I don't think the majority of those people want to sexually abuse those children, which is what grooming, let let me just finish, grooming, I think for most people, that's what it kind of means. Now, I understand the broader definition. You're grooming them into an ideology, you're grooming them into uh, destabilization, uh, dis, 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 dysmor- dysphoria. Like, yep, you're, yep. You're grooming this idea that you are the ruler of your body and that the medical industrial complex mm-hmm. can save you mm-hmm. or implement your will onto yeah. God's creation. Or something yeah, and like I that. totally understand that. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I think there's a hazard to doing it mm-hmm. because it also falls into the old trope that, you know, gay people are pedophiles. Yeah, yeah. Which is why for a long time, you know, before Obergefell and even, I mean, it wasn't just Obergefell that changed that. There, you know, speaking of polls, there's polls that show a steady increase in acceptance of gay people over many, many, many years, including gay marriage. I think a majority now support that, right? Um <laughs> Now, things are changing now, you know, yeah. because of all this crazy trans kid stuff, you know, and women's sports and all those things. Um, so I think there's a danger. It falls into that like, oh, oh, so you're saying LGBTQ people are pedophiles. That's what it kind of brings up, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's fraught. 
I, I, I just, I'm not sure what I think about it, to be honest. I see both sides on using that terminology. I don't think you have to use that terminology. I guess I don't see that it's necessarily how to talk about it. Why, why can't you talk about it more just what it is? It, is that you're bringing gender? Discourse, yeah. I think no, you're indoctrination. I prefer indoctrination. Indoctrination. Okay? I think that these gender, uh, whatever you want to call them, trying to get this into all the little kids and everything, they're indoctrinating them. That doesn't carry the that sexual abuse uh, connotation. But I'm not going to yell and scream and say, "Oh my God, don't ever say groomer." You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not going to do that. There's a a little anecdote, um, personal anecdote, well, semi-personal. It was just a funny thing that happened. Um, One lady um uh mom folding laundry on twitter who i've uh, i saw that today first. she she's been really upset about the uh, groomer thing because she she wants the definition of groomer to be specifically about sexual yep. grooming um, molestation and, an to that. and molestation um and then she she said that she she unfollowed every man except benjamin boyce because she's pretty sure that he's not a rapist oh i didn't see that today i saw her saying she was dropping all these other people yeah you're special, so, Benjamin. I'm special. See, this is what this is, if you spend 45 years not raping women, eventually it pays off. Eventually it pays off. I just had to say that. I, I like mom folding laundry. Me too. I saw all of that. I saw. And look, I don't know what she's been through. I mean, yeah. okay. I see. I'm just going to say there it's are just divisive. some. Yes. And there are some men who seem to be more dismissive in a way that makes us women feel hello, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I tend to see kind of, I'm like this. I tend to see more than one side of things. Maybe that's part of it, but you know what? Maybe that's part of why I haven't been driven completely and totally insane. Yeah. To your earlier question is that I tend to kind of grapple with, well, what are they really thinking? And, you know, and also kind of the chess game of it, you know, like strategic thinking, if, then, I guess. If, then, yeah. A few, few steps ahead, contingencies, probabilities. So are you going to write a big old book on this? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Um, actually, I want a I movie. Like to- I want all of us players, all of us. And that would include you and me. And all the players, I could just see such a great film, right? With and all the fighting and the infighting yeah. and all of the crazy crap. It'd be a great musical. Musical, oh, yeah. Yeah. that'd be That's even better. Turf War is the musical. Turf um, War is the so musical. <laughs> while, while, while we're wrapping up, I just want to get people resources. They can follow your blog, but what are, from your point of view, strategically, what should people be focusing on? Uh, That's one one of your big questions. Those big stumper questions. Um, If you want, are you, when you talk about organizations, talking about organizations or just, just topics to look into or like the, the, the 
where is the contest? Where is the enemy most weak? If we want to think in terms of war or like what, what's the most important issues? Well, okay. I think again, what's happening right now, I think looking into what all of these organizations, most of which, so gender spectrum is an organization that came out of the gender stuff, but many of them like HRC, which has welcoming schools, glad spelled with two A's, right? Um, Mm-hmm. There's something called Glisten, G-L-S-E-N. Oh, they, that's there? also, re- I know, it's not Glisten, it's G-L-S-E-N. They, that's linked on, oh, so next week there is a, a federal webinar on supporting transgender and non-binary children. And they link to this model uh, program that the Glisten website has. Um now, that, that webinar is run by the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, and the Department of Education. Do these so this is, so agencies Benjamin, this need is going any to... more questions about that? <laughs> right, right. But also, it's like it's across these federal agencies. It's not just concentrated at HHS. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's across the, the federal e- executive branch. So, okay. I'm really focused on this right now. So you're asking for advice. Yeah, take a look. What's going on at the federal level? You know, what's going on? And look, this people are ranting and raving about what's going on in the schools. I mean, one of the things, you know, people talk about libs of TikTok. Okay, I have mixed feelings about it. She's doing stuff nobody else is doing. And it's easy to kind of look at it and go, oh, oh my God, look at them. They're crazy. They're crazy. They're crazy, right? Well, some of them, I mean, look, if you're on TikTok talking about this stuff, you're an exhibitionist. And maybe they are a little further out to field. But what I keep trying to say is this isn't just, you know, exhibitionists on TikTok. This is, right? So, yeah, follow my Twitter. Follow my Twitter. <laughs> How about that? I've GenSpect, I think, is doing really good work. And I, I want to put in a plug for them because they're doing something. We thought about forming an organization a number of years ago. And we were like, we just can't do it. We just, you know, we just can't. GenSpect is largely doing what I would have done is it's not just parents, it's professionals, right? It's, it's, it's therapists, it's clinicians, it's researchers, but it's also detransitioners and um, trans people who don't deny biological reality. And Genspect is there for parental support and family support. Yeah, it's interesting to me, though, because, yes, it is. And that's what they call themselves. But when you look at who they've brought in to their tent, again, trans people, D-trans, professionals, to me, it feels like bigger than that. You know, it's, it's obviously, it's for parents. But it's more than that. I mean, I, I like what they're doing. I think it's really important. Um, and I think people should take a look mm-hmm. um lgb alliance they've caught a lot of crap mm-hmm. um i think they're doing great work the gender dysphoria alliance um and you know i've said this the detransitioners i think detransitioners and desisters are they're the key because they are the people who experienced it and to the extent or not that they felt harmed, they are the ones who have standing, to use a legal term, to really be talking about this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a weakness in parents only talking about it because 
it's the parents' point of view, you know, um, which is, I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm the last one to say parents are doing it wrong, yeah. but it is just their point of view, right? In a court of law, they wouldn't have standing. So I think there's so many great detransitioners out there. Um, you've interviewed most of them, I think. <laughs> have you, have you mi- of course, you've missed some who aren't really public figures, but uh, my God, how many have you interviewed now? Uh, I think we're, well, it's repeated. The playlist is 30 or 40 videos, maybe 50. I'd have to look at it, but there's, there's, there are a lot of repeat guests. Subscribe to Benjamin Boyce's YouTube. Yeah, like and subscribe. Follow Benjamin Boyce on Twitter. .com. Wow. <laughs> Colin Wright. Colin Wright. Such good stuff. Right? He's a biologist who got canceled for talking about this. Uh it's funny how the people who got canceled are getting more and more attention, though, isn't it? The Streisand effect, it's called, I believe. Yeah. You know what the Streisand effect is, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a beach house and something. something Don't talk about Streisand. it. Don't, Don't talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah. Don't take pictures Delete of it. it. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, you are, you were one of the first, and you, uh, you're not the kind of person to uh, say, uh, yeah, you know, those annoying things like, I was here before everybody else was here and nobody, now they're finally catching up, but you, you were doing the work. You've been doing capital T, capital W, the work. And uh, look, I will admit that there are times when I wouldn't mind a little more acknowledgement. Hmm. I mean, I, but I, this was Emmy or Grammy. No, I, I don't Tony. mean acknowledge. I don't. Yeah. There are some people or that get Oscar. really pissed off and they even go after people. You know, like, oh, well, I was doing this before, and I always feel like, well, better late than never. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I've never done this. <laughs> There's no money. <laughs> There's no money. I, this is the first time I showed my face to the world. You know, it's kind of like I'm not after this for personal recognition in that sense. Uh, but it's nice to be acknowledged. Um, you know, I will, I'm going to say something. You know, Douglas Murray wrote an amazing book. Uh, called The Madness of Crowds. Have you yeah. read it? Yeah, he Very wrote good. about Evergreen. Very and, uh, good. Um, and there's a chapter, it's funny because I was on a road trip across the country and I was listening to it as an audiobook. And I've, I've actually read him for years um, before all this happened. And he got to the chapter on um, all the gender stuff, right? And I'm listening and all of a sudden I hear the whole, most of the chapter is based on an article I wrote, which was uh, Johanna Olson Kennedy uh, uh, Pop Tarts. Mm-hmm. And that came from a gender conference uh, where we had moles who recorded it. And what's the Pop Tart story, just for people who aren't aware? So I believe it was a seven year old girl. Johanna Olson Kenny is in a seminar with other affirming uh, clinicians. So speaking pretty openly and frankly, plus this was 2017, right? Um, basically told the story of how a mom brought a daughter in and the daughter, you know, was wearing boys' clothes and all this kind of stuff. But the daughter didn't think that she was a boy, never said, I'm a boy, nothing like that. So Johanna talks about how she started talking to the girl and said, well, have you ever eaten a Pop-Tart? And the girl said, well, yeah, sure, of course. Um, And she said, well, what what would happen if there was a strawberry Pop-Tart 
in a in a I forget what it was a peach wrapper a wrapper that was peach right said peach on it and the girl said well it'd be a strawberry pop tart inside it'd still be a you know inside the wrong wrapper yeah and then according to Olson Kennedy there was this moment where the kid was like oh and then she turned to her mom and said I think I'm a strawberry pop tart in the wrong wrapper the kid wasn't saying she was a boy before. Yeah. Well, that, that so, metaphor can go both ways. Just because she wears boys' clothes doesn't mean that she's not a girl, right? What's the wrapper? Is the wrapper the clothes and the behavior I or the guess. body? Right. Well, it, 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 it was so amazing. And oh, my God. And then she actually said, I don't think I made the kid trans. And the audience laughs. Oh, of course you didn't, you know. And she said, I, I just gave him the language. I just gave him the language. Anyway, Douglas obviously had read my article because we were the ones that got the audio of this stuff. And he wrote a chapter on it. There was no credit. Hmm. And, you know, and actually there was a, 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 a Kindle version. So I had a Vimeo channel which got taken down because I put all this stuff up on the Vimeo mm -hmm. and he did this while I still had the Vimeo channel. So all the links were broken in the Kindle version. Oh, okay. There was one link actually it didn't acknowledge who it was. It was just a link to an audio. Right. And I actually tried to reach him and I said, you know, this is broken now. Never. And I'm not, I'm not, I hope I, I don't think I seem miserable or anything. I am overjoyed that he used it. Absolutely overjoyed. And that way, you know, he's a best-selling author. That outweighs any feeling I might have. Well, could you at least have said, <laughs> could you at least have said from the fourth wave now website? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Connect uh, people to the resource. But I guess I'm just saying, yeah, I'm happy to have anything used, but it it does feel good to be acknowledged. So thank I, you for acknowledging I acknowledge me. You. I acknowledge you. I just thank you very much. <laughs> Are you validating me though? Uh, no, I'm I'm not affirming nor validating. <laughs> I'm just acknowledging. Well, that's literal violence. No, I I, I appreciate you. Nope, but, literal uh, violence. Sorry. Mm -mm. <laughs> I'm going to go on social media and tear you a new one. <laughs> I can't wait. I need I need another film controversy. I need another witch hunt. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah, you don't want to get bored. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, so actually, wait till after Ramadan, then I'll deal with it. So that. I want to say, and I've said this to you, you know, in other communication, but I just want to acknowledge you. Oh. Uh, and I just want to say how much I appreciate. Uh, how you've given a platform to a lot of people who really don't get a platform many other places. So thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad to be able to do this. I think we should wrap it up on that positive yep. note of patting yep. each other on the back. Should we do it? Like, but we didn't validate each other. Uh, no, we didn't. Nor for no validation. Oh, <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> we didn't validate our identities. I don't even have an identity at this oh, point. Oh, everyone has a gender identity. Didn't you know? Oh, a gender identity. I don't even have an identity. Well, I guess I have a, a tune and Elden, uh, Elden Ring that I'm playing. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a boy, you know, but here, let's, let's do this. Are we going to uh, turn it off? <laughs>